0: Equipping today's college students to make their four years count for eternity. This is the Campus Outreach Podcast. All right, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Trent... And Darrell has been asking this question the last couple of weeks. It's like, what was it about Jesus that captivated these guys so much that they dropped everything to follow him? And I just want to make a point. This, it says, follow me. He said, follow me. And immediately they follow him. So, what are some of the things that they, they sacrifice? Go to that next slide there. They sacrifice their net. They sacrifice their boat, and they sacrifice time with their father. They sacrifice their net, their boat and their father. And he was so worthy of being followed that these men dropped everything to follow him. They left everything. Let me break it down for you one more time. Look at what normally keeps people from following Jesus. Nets, money, success, boat, career, maybe your major, maybe your purpose, father, relationships. And then lastly, sin. These are the top four things I feel like really keep people from following Jesus as you read in um, the whole gospel of Matthew and Mark, Luke and John. is you see people not following him because of money or because of their career or their purpose or their plans, um, their family, their relationships. And you see Jesus' disciples they go from making really small sacrifices like nets to big sacrifices like fathers with family and our hope for you this summer is that you'll be so captivated my hope for you is that by the end of the night you would be so captivated by the person of Jesus that you would love to follow him for a lifetime that you would love to follow him not just for the eight weeks you're here or for the semester or two in college you have left for a few years but for a lifetime my biggest hope for you tonight is that you experience intimacy with the Father and that you would see Him as worthy of more than... He's worth more than anything. There's so many things to love about Jesus. Um, I honestly was just anxious this morning like thinking through tonight because I was like, I'm going to miss something. There's just so much... And I feel so underqualified to even talk about the person of Jesus, and I'm going to just graze the surface um, of who Jesus is and some of the things that I think are most unique about Him and what He's accomplished. And um, but Jesus describes His own heart in Matthew 11, and I, I just think it's such a it's such a clear picture. I think describing. Who Jesus is, Jesus describes His own heart as gentle and lowly. So, I'm going to read this passage. So, turn over. So, turn up six, seven chapters over to Matthew 11. Jesus says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is the who of salvation that we've been talking about? As we've kind of been walking through the narrative of creation and then the fall, and then tonight, Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is gentle and lowly. And then Jesus is the one who gives rest for our souls. And that's the two main points for tonight. Jesus is gentle and lowly, and Jesus is the one who gives rest for our souls. So the first point, who is Jesus? Jesus is gentle and lowly. Um, my, one of my biggest misconceptions I had uh, when I was in college was, or coming into my freshman year of college, was I really saw Jesus as harsh and distant. I saw him as harsh and distant. If you would have asked me, like, to kind of close my eyes for a second and just imagine, like, what's the expression on the face of Jesus when he thinks of Joel or when he thinks of me? I would have really had to wrestle with that for a while, but I think I probably would have said Jesus, the expression on his face is disgust or disappointment. And I would have said he he feels very cold to me. And some days he feels like he's very proud of me, but it was totally based off of like my performance or lack of performance or my sin or how much or how little I'd sinned. That day, and I become so aware of my sin. Kind of at the end of uh, uh, high school, I become just highly aware that like I was guilty of sin. I felt tons of shame and guilt, and I wasn't sin. And but I had no idea what to do with my sin. I had no idea what, where to take it, or what to do with it. And so my kind of methods were like keep trying harder and like self-harm, just beat the crap out of myself. Trying to figure out how to change the look of disappointment on Jesus' face to a sense of pride or content. I had no idea what to do with my sin. How do I become right with God? How do I find rest in God? Jesus describes his own heart as gentle and lowly. I am gentle and lowly in heart. What does that mean? Gentle. Gentle is kind, not harsh. Like the total opposite of my perception of Him. Um, there is nothing harsh about Jesus. He is the most patient man to ever live. He, Jesus, knows my sin And knows our sin. He knows your sin. And He longs to set you free from it. Jesus longs to set you free from your sin. The way of Jesus is not harsh. It is gentle. It is patient. It is kind. Jesus will always deal gently with you. So that's what gentle means. Second word there, lowly. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is literally the most approachable person to ever live. God literally sent him down to earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave him, he sent him. He's lowly. He is the most approachable person in the entire world. He is a lowly. There is no barrier between you and Jesus. He's gentle. He's lowly. He's unlike any other king. Any other king in the world is not approachable. You have to know someone to know someone. You have to have special privileges. But Jesus is different. Jesus does not require anything before we can come to him. So I asked Evan to kind of put together this video for me. And I bet some of you are on this. I haven't actually seen it yet, so I'm kind of excited. But we asked you the question, what do you love most about Jesus? What is it that you love most about Jesus? And this is what you has got to say. I'm here with... Haley. and Grace. Who is Jesus to you? Um... Jesus is the one that carries me every day and that just gets me through daily life. Who is Jesus to you? Um, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He died on the cross to take my sins and is the reason I can live full of joy and love for others. I'm here with. Um, yeah. Who is Jesus to you? Everything. No. I'm here with Caroline. Who is Jesus to you? Um, my Savior and my Lord. And he's the Son of God. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Look like you're looking guy. I'm here with Ethan Space. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus is my Father and Savior, Creator and Caretaker. Yeah, he really fast. I'm here with Gabby, Jess Who is Jesus to you? Um, he's a lot of things but he's my uh, savior and my friend and protector and Yes, yeah, so my savior and my friend and he's very gracious to me and has provided me with a lot of comfort and peace within life I'm here with Courtney Who is Jesus to you? My best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here with Mary Jamie Pigeons. Jesus is a father and a protector and a friend. Jesus is someone that I can sit with on a daily basis. I'm here with Lucy. Who is Jesus to you? My Savior, my friend, and my lover. Alright. Lucy. Let's go, Lucy. What do you think of? Here's my question for you guys. What do you think of when you hear the name Jesus? Give me a couple of words Him. Him. All right, let's go. He's Savior. King. He's King. He's Love. Redeemer. One more. Shepherd. I like that. All right, here's what I want you guys to imagine. Can I wrestle with that same question I wrestled with when I was um, a freshman in college? What's the expression on Jesus' face when He thinks of you? What's the expression on His face when He looks at at you, the sinner? What emotion do you experience when you think of, when you hear His name, when you imagine Him looking at your face? This summer, I want to challenge you To meditate on and focus on the heart of Jesus in such a way that you would understand exactly how much Jesus loves you. How much Jesus loves you. At bedtime every night, we usually sing, Jesus loves me, to our kids. And and we'll ask the question sometimes we'll say, How much? How much does Jesus love you? How much does daddy love you? Or mommy love you? And their answer is always, so much. Do you believe that that Jesus loves you so much? Or do you have a misconception that Jesus is not gentle and not lowly? We've read this verse a lot in your life. you probably memorized the first part of it, or the first verse. But maybe not the second. It says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Do you guys get that? That Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, not to condemn you, the sinner, but to save you. That's how much Jesus loves you. Jesus is gentle and lowly. Second point, Jesus is the one who gives rest. It says in this passage, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. It says he's gentle and lowly, and if you take his yoke upon you and learn from me, you will find rest for your souls. Uh, one of the things I always describe Jesus as is he's he was a man full of grace, but also a man full of truth. He was a man full of truth and a man full of grace. He, his message, was truth. Your sin is killing you, here and eternally. Your sin's killing you, but he was also his message was full of grace. Come to to me, and I will give you rest. Not you will earn rest, but I will give you rest. There's no transaction there. I will give you rest. So we know our souls are not at rest, right? I mean, I know that my soul is generally not at rest uh, when I've not spent time with Jesus. Especially before I met Jesus, my soul was not at rest. Addiction, anxiety, depression, depravity, relationship, struggles, trying to find like satisfaction and fulfill this deep thirst within. It's like my soul was not at rest. Your souls are not at rest apart from Jesus. The wages of sin is death. We know that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus is the one who gives rest. We long for rest. We long for peace to be made right with God. How does He give this rest? Like, how does Jesus give this? Um, this is one of my favorite illustrations um, I've ever heard. And I just want to just point out that I, I put this clip art together today. Um, maybe you guys didn't see this, but I added a picture on top of a picture. Are y'all compressed? Okay. Um I don't know how I did that. I was actually very impressed with myself. Um, But imagine yourself, you're in a courtroom, okay? Imagine that you're in a courtroom, and you have been convicted of a crime that you actually did commit. And you didn't just commit the crime. You did it over and over and over and over again, day after day. You are guilty of the crime. You walk into the courtroom, you're standing before the judge, you're standing before the jury, and the jury is unanimous. We've seen the evidence, guilty. That is our statement. That's our decision. What's what's the verdict? I was like, what's what's the word here? That's the verdict. The verdict is in, and you are guilty. For a second there, just imagine the anxiety that you would begin to feel right before the jury passes the note to the, to the judge. And right before the gavel is dropped, in walks someone to take your place. And this is, this, is what, this is what happens on a daily basis on our walk with Jesus. It's like, when you're into the courtroom of God, we are declared guilty. The verdict is in. And yet Jesus steps into our place. He swaps verdicts with you. He swaps resumes with you. Your resume is full of your sin. Your resume is full of your guilt. Your resume is totally covered with all the things you ever did or ever did not do. Jesus' resume is completely clean. Not only is it void of sin, it's perfect. He has perfectly obeyed every commandment that God has laid out. He's gentle. He's lowly. He's patient. He's kind. He is completely full of every fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. Jesus kills it. He's perfect. And He swaps resumes with you. This is called the great exchange. We, the sinner, exchange our unrighteousness for Jesus' perfect righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Expounds this out it says for he for our sake, Jesus, or God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Though Jesus was perfect, he knew no sin. He knew no sin. Even though he was perfect, he was punished. He was perfect. He was punished, not for his sin, but for our sin. And then, third, he was powerful. Powerful over death. We heard it in that song Death has no rival, you have no equal. Jesus was powerful over death. We get the credit for his perfect righteousness. We get the credit. He takes on our sin, it's nailed to the cross. Our sin is upon his shoulders. He's nailed to the cross, he's punished. And three days later, he's powerful. He rises to declare victory over sin. He's defeated death. This is how Jesus gives you rest, he gives it to you. You don't earn it, there's nothing you can add to the cross. I remember when I was a freshman. Going back to my first year of college, this is right before Beach Project. My freshman year, I was wrestling with this question. I remember, I remember hearing um, a sermon, and the pastor said something along the lines of like, "If we add something to the cross, like if we if we think our good works or our lack of bad works earns us God's love." Then we're essentially saying that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough for us. Like, if you're adding something to Jesus, you're essentially saying that Jesus, your death on the cross, it was not enough for me. Jesus gives you rest. So, who can come? Jesus says, Come. He says, Come. This is a personal invitation. He's not just saying to to just anyone. He's saying this to you, come. It's a personal invitation to come. So who can come? Because he's gentle and lowly. Who can come to Jesus? Two people, the weary and the burdened. The weary and the burdened. Are you tired? Are you exhausted? from laboring and from trying to earn God's love and forgiveness? Are you exhausted from that? Are you burdened with the weight of your sin? Are you have a sense of anxiety and heaviness about you? This is what qualifies you to come to Jesus weariness, and burden. That's what qualifies you to come to Jesus. Not the righteous, not the person who has it all together, but the sinner. How can you come? That's who can come, but how can you come? Here's what I say. I know many of you will be tempted this summer to kind of clean yourself up and then... Return to Jesus. But Jesus says, come to me. The phrase, his yoke is easy. Oh, let me uh, back up. Yeah, the phrase, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It essentially means that the only thing that Jesus requires of you to come to him is to come humbly and surrendered, okay? So how can you come humbled and surrendered? So Jesus is saying, hey, come to me. Don't have it all together. Don't pretend. Consider me greater than yourself. Bring your burdens. Bring your sin to the foot of the cross. Receive my grace. Receive my forgiveness. Come surrendered. Is there anything in your life that's holding you back from following Jesus fully? Money. Nets. Boats. Careers. Father. Relationships. Friends. A boyfriend or girlfriend. Come surrender. All I have is yours, Jesus. I'm willing to do anything. At any time. And go anywhere for you, Jesus. Come surrender. Here's what I'll say. This will be the last thing I say. And then we'll have some discussion. No amount of time off of work, no amount of money, no amount of streaming Netflix or Apple TV, no amount of comments, no amount of likes, no amount of follows. We're struggling here. We get it? Let me try that again. No amount of work, no amount of time, no amount of rest, um, no matter sleep, no matter Netflix, Apple TV, followers on TikTok, followers on Instagram, likes, comments gives us true rest. Running to Jesus and following him is the only place that you will find real and lasting rest for your soul. That's the only place that you will find rest for your soul. Nowhere else, That's the truth. That is gracious. I'm telling you that because Jesus is full of truth and grace. Nowhere else. Philippians 3, 8. This is the last verse. I love this verse. Joey and I were talking about it this morning. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as trash, in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him my charge to you is that you would see that any sacrifice would would be outweighed by the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Any small sacrifice or any big sacrifice or any relationship or any net would be worth it to follow Jesus. Spend time this summer focusing on Jesus. What would you have to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus fully. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is lowly. He desires a relationship with you. That's why He says, come, experience His love. Only in Him will you find rest for your soul. Let me pray. God, would you help us to see you clearly this summer? I pray that every student in this room would see you for who you are as gentle and lovely, as the one who provides rest for their souls. Lord, would you invite them to come to you? Lord, I pray that there would not be a person leave this room tonight without coming to you to find rest for their soul, to ask you for forgiveness. It's in Jesus' name, but you know. (music)